0: Hello. Welcome to Sacred and Small Conversation in Liturgy and Mission. I am Jason Buckwalter and my friend over here is Jason Hill. Friend, I use that light no, not lightly. Anyway. Uh welcome you to this week's uh podcast, video thing, whatever we're calling it.
1: I still haven't figured out the word. Vlog.
0: No, I vlog. I, like I got I have have feelings about that and I do too.
1: actually i i 100 agree with you yes this is a i, I like that technical term podcast video thing thing yeah. yeah
0: uh precision and language that's what preachers are all about and that is today's topic actually preaching what's a preach and uh we're obviously just by way of reminder we're not uh we're not necessarily experts in all of these things we are both students working through um a lot of these things and our contexts are both small and well, we care about it and we're inviting you into the conversation. And so uh, preaching is something that comes every, every week, unless you're blessed to have other folks who can preach for you. Um, this last week, I was really blessed. I was away at class and I had uh, a lay lady in our congregation preach for the first time. And she did she, did, did she absolutely phenomenal.
1: Did she preach, preach? You know what I mean by preach, preach? Or did she, did she talk, preach? Either's fine. I'm just curious with a lay leader how how you guys approached it.
0: Yeah, I, I think it, it was maybe more talk preaching, but it was preaching. I mean, she had it all. Uh, she had it all laid out. We met beforehand the uh, the week before and kind of helped her guide crafting it together. But just in terms of some of the practical things that you can't teach a whole lot, some of the presentation aspects of things, she did really well. Good, and her content was uh, was good as well. And I don't get to sit and watch a lot of other people preach, and I. I hate listening to myself preach, so but uh well jay, why why preaching? Why do we preach? Why do we spend so many hours during the week preparing something so that we then might speak at or to well, or i I people?
1: ask myself that question just about every sunday why <laughs> why am I doing this? <laughs> this is so much of my time and so much effort and uh is it really is it really worth it, it you know and and i've i it's, it's an interesting question why do we preach and i think at least in our tradition you know uh i think the answer is to some extent because we have to <laughs> <laughs>
0: well so we're they, they, I, you're not you're not an alumni of uh nazarene theological no, well,
1: you I'm a, yeah no i was yeah one day i might be if they let me graduate but
0: the, the original motto of, of our denominational seminary was uh, to make more 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 preachers and better preachers.
1: More more better preachers?
0: More more preachers and better preachers,
1: yeah. More, more preachers, and, yes. Yeah. Well, that's one of the uniquenesses of our tradition, right? So, it, exactly. I don't know if it's a uniqueness, but it, it's one of our, uh, because it's not unique just to the Nazarenes. I mean, obviously, yeah. preaching has been around since, I don't even know, right? who, who gave the first sermon in the Bible? That's an interesting question. Peter. Well, the first New Testament one, but the prophets pre, I mean we got like Jeremiah standing on the street corner declaring things that no one wanted to listen to. I'd call that typical preaching. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so
0: getting uh, getting run out of town for it too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Brown in a well. David and David uh David at the end of his life, you know. Th- there's several examples. I'm sure there's Samuel, definitely. So definitely. I'm sure there's probably something with Abraham or something like that, but uh, uh you know. Well wait wait, the first so, uh, sermon was God to God to Cain, maybe. I don't know. But
0: was the serpent the first sermon?
1: Um no, that's the first post sermon conversation. But <laughs> 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 where every, everything you know with everything you just said is wrong. <laughs> but yeah. no, I yeah. don't but yeah, in our tradition, I mean, um, preaching is yeah. central. It's it's the thing, right? I mean
0: yeah, I, I think larger than that, just in evangelicalism. Yeah, as a whole. So obviously, church We're in a Wesleyan tradition. We have our roots in the Methodist movement and and all of those things. Uh, but equally as much in uh, the the nineteenth century holiness movement. And right. Uh, in fact,
1: probably more so than in Wesleyan tradition where, where I mean, Wesleyan early Methodism was built around a class meeting structure and they had societies too. And well, I'll explain if I need to what that is, but but class meeting was a small group of, of 10 to 12 people who met for accountability in their actions, right? And you had to be a part of the class meeting in order to go to the society meeting, which was something kind of like uh, a church service. Although really the church service in early Methodism was, was the Anglican services that they still participated in uh on I guess Sunday morning, probably I would I would think it would still be Sunday morning back then. But um yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, our our tradition of of preaching as the primary um expression of worship in our gathered worship, um, rooted in our holiness tradition, revivalistic tradition.
0: Yeah. Although I think I think that some of that has shifted a little bit as of late, as we've gotten to really good professional worship leaders. And so some, some folks will now say like the dominant part of our service should be this music. And as long as we've got the worship, then we don't need the preaching or the sacraments or anything else. And I, I think what we're saying is that like... Are we pre- hearing
1: that with the preaching though? I, I, I definitely the sacraments, although I think that's coming back too. There's been you know, the, the pendulum swings both ways, but I don't know that I've heard that with the preaching shorter sermons, maybe, but, but
0: I, I, I uh, I ran our team camp for,
1: Oh, and, okay. Yeah.
0: And, uh, some of the, some of the people we had come in and lead worship, certainly not all of them. Uh, they definitely felt like they what they were doing was the mo- most important part of the service. And, uh, one particular person, uh, just hijacked, everything so we didn't have him back
1: Uh, (laughs) i I can imagine that being the case (laughs) right
0: so it's it's not just a narrow uh i I think both you and i say it's not a narrow understanding preaching is not uh well it's not the the end all to uh what church is um so if it's if it's not the end all certainly it's proclamation right uh, declaring the gospel right um Personally, think that, that every sermon should kind of end up with jesus in some way um
1: that would be one we could talk about I, I don't necessarily disagree um but it seems like at least um maybe in the 20th century maybe before i'd have i don't know my, my preaching history is a little not not quite maybe maybe where it should be i've been more focused on discipleship and things like that but but um you know everything points to Jesus kind of concept. So, if like this this next week, I'm I'm preaching out of Genesis chapter two, and so so one tradition, one mindset is that you need to find Jesus in. And I'm not saying this is wrong. So, <laughs> there, find Jesus and preach Jesus in Genesis chapter two, which sounds good. Except then you end up with the same message over and over again. Instead of letting Genesis chapter two be Genesis chapter two um and let jesus be jesus you end up sort of forcing jesus in there to some extent um instead of maybe the concepts and the graces that jesus represents
0: well i i think um yeah i, I don't want to force anything I, but i think that as we proclaim the word it, it often kind of narrowly sometimes segues into and christ examples I, I i don't know i don't know i I blurted that out before I thought it through. So,
1: Oh, no, but I think it's an interesting point because I think a, a lot of people in our tradition, and I, I would say, again, like you were saying earlier, basically evangelicalism, right? Would would And, and the word I, I wrote down in our notes here, we have notes that we try to follow, by the way. Occasionally we glance at them. It's kerygma, right? And I don't, that might be a term that's familiar to you. It yeah. might not be to our, our, our listeners and our viewers in this um, podcast vloggy thing. Um, <laughs> that we have, right, uh, proclamation of the gospel, right, of the gospel, so that every message that we preach, whether it's out of Genesis chapter 2 or John chapter 3, right, every message we preach is is oriented towards the salvation that Christ offers us, and and maybe in the narrow sense, like literally Leading people to a point of decision, so they can say a prayer and and transition from from I was in hell, and now that I've done this prayer, yeah. I'm now in heaven, and that's that's what every sermon needs to be. That's there's a strong movement of that historically in our denomination.
0: Yeah, and, and that's not what I'm saying. Um, I know you're not, but I, yeah. but I think
1: it's an important point of clarification, right? Okay. right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah,
0: I, I guess I guess if if. If we are naturally moving, I know your congregation does this, and we're we're kind of moving this direction. Um, if you're going to celebrate uh, the Eucharist each week, then there has to be there has to be something that ties into that. And and I found more and more as I've used uh, the Great Thanksgiving, the 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 Communion liturgy that we've used locally, which has been around forever, and lots of people use it. Uh, is that more often than not there's something within that narrative, and it's basically just a narrative of, of you know, Christ and, and all the way through the death and resurrection. And um, there's always something in that narrative I find that connects back to whatever the kind of main thrust of the passage we were looking at that week. And so I, I think that's kind of where
1: right.
0: where I want that to go.
1: Right. And I think yeah, and that that makes. I totally understand what you're saying and, and agree wholeheartedly, but that's, that's the distinction maybe between a, a Eucharistic or a sacramental centered liturgy to go back to last week, um, corporate liturgy or gathered liturgy, as opposed to um, a, a, sort of our folkish liturgies um, and our Nazarene or Wesleyan oriented liturgies, which almost treat preaching I say Wesleyan, I mean holiness. Really, is what I mean there. Almost treat treat the act of preaching and the and the response to the sermon, often with a, a physical action like going to the sermon or raising your or going to the altar or raising your hand or whatever it is. Almost treat that as a substitute sacrament for the Eucharist. And I think in our tradition, we we don't emphasize sacrament um, historically. I think we, we it's it's a vital part of our of our polity, but we don't emphasize it in our actual actions. Yeah. I would say that we have we have elevated the proclamation or the kerygma of the gospel to the level of sacrament, that it is a sacred act of grace through faith, a means of grace through faith that we participate in on a weekly basis. And therefore, with that being the case, we were mm, allowing ourselves then to de-emphasize actual sacraments,
0: right? but I, I think you can make a case for preaching in sacramental ways um, but i think uh i think even even practically uh when you get ordained in the church of nazarene one of the questions they're going to ask you is do you have a call to preach you and have a call to
1: preach a call. that's
0: like that's what matters yeah um, and, and it's just placing all the eggs in in one basket
1: and one of the things we've struggled with and just a little you know pulling back the curtain here a little bit in, on our on our congregation um is is defining um, what preaching is to a credentials board, a board of credentials that determines whether you, who claim to have a call to preach, actually has a call to preach. Because just, just right here, we've already seen that, that Jason Buckwalter's definition of preaching and Jason Hill's definition and understanding of preaching aren't necessarily... 100% align. So if you look at that from a credentialing standpoint, that in order for us to be recognized by our denomination and our church as pastors and ordained elders in our church, that's what we call our ordained pastors as elders, um, you have to have a call to preach. And often we view that simply as a call to stand up in front of adult people and right. adult people and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in a church setting 52 times a year.
0: I was a youth pastor for ten years, um, and I, I think when I got asked a question, you know, do you feel called to preach? It was always uh, minimizing the work that I was doing with our. It
1: does work. almost intentionally. Almost. And, intentionally.
0: and yeah. for my part, like I tried very hard to um, invest the same amount of time and energy in the gospel presentation, the charisma to to our youth that I that I would. Uh, when I get up on, you know, get up on Sunday morning, silence that phone, Jay.
1: Yeah. There's not really any way to do it. Cause there's five phones here in these offices that we've got and they just keep ringing. So, yeah. um, yeah,
0: <laughs> so, so part. if one it's of a live
1: podcast, right? Yeah. Right.
0: Right. Um, so what do we hope to accomplish then with, with preaching?
1: That's a great question. And that's one that I think again, goes to this conflict, um, because, because um, are, we, are we hoping to accomplish salvation, um, where, where the goal of almost every service, service yeah, gather gather services to get people to a point of salvation? Is it is it for discipleship, learning the word, teaching the word? Um, is it some sort of practical thing that you need to leave here and do? Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting question. Well, how would, how would you answer it? What, what do you think? And then I can, I can think about my answer and decide whether I want to agree with you or not.
0: It's, it's funny. So um, the class I was just in, the professor said uh, uh, he doesn't believe in preaching anymore. So <laughs> it caused me to think about, especially in
1: light of... A, uh, just for clarification, that's an evangelical seminary, right?
0: Uh, yeah. Um, Northern Baptist.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, yeah. not the Southern Baptist, but the Northern
1: ones. They're Northern, different. The different. That's, that's a new one. Northern Baptist. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah and so I, I think... I think I grew up thinking that preaching was to accomplish that moment in time, salvation, or in our tradition, that sanctification, that kind of crisis.
1: Oh, right. Like, yeah. We can't forget that one for us. Um,
0: but the the more and more I've engaged in ministry, preaching, especially to youth, uh, maybe as much so to, to adults is that um, it is a formative moment. Calling people to ask, um, who should I now be or become in the light of who Christ is mm-hmm. rather than um, you're going to hell. You better say a prayer, a magical prayer.
1: Or, or just also more than here's five practical things that you could right. do this week to have a, a better marriage or something. Not that those things are bad, but you know, yeah, well, it, it's about being right. We're trying to form people right. in the beers. Right.
0: So the, the, the question is not necessarily, application I think that's that's the big thing right a lot of people talk about how, how do we apply this to our lives right I'm not interested in that conversation as much as I am how does how how are we to be allowed to be transformed uh by the spirit of Christ working in us and so that transformative thing is a much it's much more long term it's a it's a marathon that can be stretched out over over years because I think that's what it I think that's what it takes and it, it's not a sprint it's not a I got to get this done or you're going to get hit by a car uh, as you leave the building.
1: Right. And I think, I think there's lots in our tradition and in our history where, where we want that sprint. We need that moment of salvation right now. And and we sure. believe that, that even, even if you think about like a revival service where you've got five or six, you know, services going on um, over the course of four or five days, you know, it's, that's a sprint as well. That's not a marathon, but you're hoping through that, that emotional um, sort of, um. Oh, uh, immersive experience that that it'll be a powerful enough emotion that our heart will be changed and our actions will begin to change, based around that. And that doesn't seem to be backed up with, um, sort of proper understanding of the way transformation works. The things that we experience in a really emotional moment might stick with us, but we're changed through um consistent habitual behavior. There's that word again.
0: Right, I don't know how many times <laughs> I saved as a child, oh yeah, or, or a teenager at, at camp, yeah, or or when I when I was struggling with the fact like I know I'm I'm following Christ, I I I love the church, I love Christ, I love all of those things, um, and then there would be this really emotive altar call, and I wouldn't yeah. want to go down, and I, there was this internal struggle about like I'm such a you know why can't I submit Ah, just all this all this baggage mm-hmm. um but I do think you're you're right it we need those moments um because sometimes we don't know what you know the work has been done in someone's life moving up to that point
1: right often those moments God working <laughs> through that person yeah are are sort of the culmination of the marathon that's gone into it, right, and then yeah. the the evangelist that's coming into the camp gets to take the the credit for. The work of uh, of generation uh, of families, but um, Notches in the belt, right? Notch <laughs> notch on the belt, right? I don't know how many. I mean, well, I've got I've got stories I can share, but we won't go into them today. But, um, yeah, yeah, preaching for transformation, preaching for being. So, do you feel like you need like three? Here's three three things you can do this week. Do you feel like you need that at the end of your sermon?
0: No, I, I don't. I, I'd much rather say, well, so, sometimes I do it just depends on what the text is, is, right. what the text is demands. Hey, mm-hmm. um, you know, clearly, uh, there are some texts with parables, you know, or, or John the Baptist repent, you know, that's one of the things, this is how you repent, right.
1: um, yeah. how
0: you maintain that. I, I think I'm more apt to ask questions for people to ponder throughout during the week. Now, whether they do, I don't know. Um, you know, introspective questions, ways in which, and and I might offer practices, right. That, that are habitual things. Um, these are ways to forgive. Uh, I I think that's much more helpful than just saying you need to forgive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So yeah, it's, I think it's, it's all of those things. We need the salvation aspect. We need the formation. We need, um, calling people to an action at times, but I think it, it comes down to allowing, uh, the spirit to, to work in us, to transform us into people who look like Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I've got a question for you. Uh, sure. And you, I'm sure you were just about to ask the same question, but, but how do you determine what you're going to preach on any given Sunday? I mean, isn't that the, the big thing pastors do? We're sitting in our office. Yeah. And, what in the world am I going to say on Sunday and Sunday comes every, every Sunday.
0: Right. Or that night, you know, back in my youth. Wednesday,
1: pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, and I used, to, I used to fret a lot about all of that, you know, um, and, and you get something, you pick something out and you wouldn't feel it and struggle some more. So uh, I started using the, the, the Revised Common Lectionary. And so if you're unfamiliar with that, it's, uh, it's been around forever. It's a three year cycle of texts that um, there's a, a psalm, there's an Old Testament reading. Uh, there's a New Testament epistle reading and then a gospel, and so those will um, those will guide you over kind of three years. And so, like I'll, I've I use Logos, uh, it's Bible you know Bible software. Um, I have my lectionary in there, and I go through, and I can actually if I can share my screen. Uh, you have disabled that. Anyway, I've got a whole spreadsheet. Maybe we can put it up afterwards. I have a whole spreadsheet that's got the entire year mapped out and I'll throw scriptures in there and uh, from the lectionary and try to weave together weeks that are kind of continuous. Cause the lectionary can work that way.
1: I think you can share now. Try it now.
0: Okay. All right, here we go. You, you're going to see like the entire thing here. Um, oh. So I share this with our worship leader and our children's worker. so we've got uh the you know the week of the the year we've got a call to worship we've got the text
1: wow you have the call to worship and everything
0: we've, we have the title um you know and if there's a series so we did waiting waiting with jesus for advent last year won't you be my neighbor um for lent and then so like there's a sermon sentence and this is getting deeper into just how i choose but just so our worship leader uh can pick songs appropriately because he's mm. He's part time. He's not always in. And then we've got the children's lessons uh, that that match that at times. And so, um, info for our newsletter letter and you know what songs we're going to sing. He puts them in there. And so it's just a it's a way for me to organize it. And I think when I step back, um, when I step back and look at a spreadsheet like that, uh, I can see the entire year just a little bit more clearly and identify maybe themes that need to be worked out as well as trying to balance New Testament and Old Testament.
1: Yeah. So how does that develop? Like I've got something similar. It, I thought I was super organized, but now apparently I'm I'm not.
0: <laughs> it doesn't come naturally for me.
1: Uh yeah. So um how does that develop? I'm like like it looked like you had the whole year there. Mm-hmm. So do you sit down in like one massive week and you do all of that?
0: Uh, no, not not generally. Um so it'll start uh, here, I can I can do I want to share it again and I'll go to, to next year.
1: Uh, next year. Next year. Next year. By next year you mean next you mean you mean year, year, B, B, right?
0: year B. Starting in Advent. And so yeah. uh, normally I'm I'm a little ahead of where I was maybe last year in planning. And so we we have children's curriculum that we follow that follows the the lectionary as well. Yeah. Um so I a lot of times and this year I've chosen, I'm gonna try really hard to preach the same text as is in the children. I think that's important sometimes at least to, to encourage conversations with people. But as you can see, I don't have titles. I don't have sermon sentences.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's no songs. Um, although my wife has done a lot of work with the children's stuff uh, and all the people who need access to all this information have it. Uh, so I, and I'll go and, and it, it, it's not uncommon for me to go through and say, okay, um, during Easter, these texts and acts, they're not working, or we're getting really tired of, uh, King David narrative in, in first and second Samuel. And to, to change that up as, as kind of needs, as needs change. So, uh, it's, it's a fluid work in progress, uh, that just kind of emerges as time goes by, but it's, it's my process. And I know not everybody's gonna, gonna be like that, but, uh, it provides some flexibility along with um, guidance. Yeah, where, I'm going, where we're going as a church.
1: So let me share mine. This is, and and then I want to talk about the opposite because I I think that what we I, in some ways is sort of our own influence on ourselves probably where where we have been working through these together for years and and come up with these systems that now work for us. Whereas this might be wholly new for our listeners and jumping into something like yours, that's going to be pretty complex. Uh, So I'm not saying and maybe a little
0: intimidating,
1: maybe a little intimidating. So, so for us, what I do, I sit down every August and it used to be just by myself. uh, But now we've got a little bit of a a, a couple um, part-time associate pastors in, in, and uh, we sit down and we develop this, which as you can see, it's similar. Now, unlike, unlike Jason Buckwalters, yours is organized around the lectionary. Ours is sort of inspired, By the lectionary, but organized by sermon series. So I use the, I don't know if you you do this or not, but I use the lectionary to inspire series preaching, as opposed to just preaching whatever is in the lectionary. So, So some of these passages are in the lectionary, but they might not even be like, for example, in September, I already mentioned that we're in Genesis right up here. Um, we're in Genesis I, I, I have no idea whether the lectionary is in Genesis or not right now the lectionary might have been gen- in Genesis in October or December or last August but but we sit down we look at the lectionary we write it all out we considered what we did the year before or three years before uh, and we come up with series um, and so yeah we're doing a series called Foundations right now which walks through kind of the first half of uh, Genesis. And then we're going to move into a Thanksgiving series where we're going to look at a couple different things and then on into Advent where we're going to focus on the Psalms. And, and you can see for us, we just kind of have sort of a, a general statement or even just a verse. And then we've got, we, I do for the sake of my associate pastors, I do go ahead and pre- uh, put down who's going to be preaching what sermon. So they've got a whole year's worth of schedule there for them. We're trying to do more of a group style approach to preaching. So, so at least once a month um, someone else is in the pulpit and I'm, I'm not which I think works really well for us.
0: I think, I think that's, that's fabulous uh, with series, and I'll do some of that. Uh, usually during the fall, after school starts up, we'll do some kind of big series that, that tackles maybe a, a theme or, or something like that. But I'll try to work series within, um, within the lectionary text as well, so, yeah. uh, and, and modify them to suit our needs, because I, I think some people think that it's, this, it's too restrictive you got to think of it as guidance and not um, right.
1: you know, prescription. So what, so what would you say to that person who um because I've heard this and i've I've encountered this and, and I almost had to deal with it with some of the retired pastors that are in my church as we've as we've tried to team up a little bit um, what would you say to the person who says, "Well, you know, I really want a fresh word from God this week
0: well I, I think uh, even in even in planning uh you're open to the spirit guidance to change things. And it it doesn't mean as I approach these scriptures, as time goes by, it doesn't mean that the, you know, God isn't speaking uh, as I craft that individual sermon. Um, Or even if I've written ahead of time, which is kind of my practice, I, I get the text written ahead of time. And then the week of I spend all week with that text. And a lot of times that what I've written changes substantially by the time, by the time Sunday morning rolls around. And so, uh, I I am in my office by like 5 a.m. on Sunday. We have service at uh, 1030 and I'm, I'm going over that and uh, prayerfully considering. And that time is always super fruitful in saying, you know, in being attentive to what God is saying, uh, wants to say to us through that text.
1: Right. Right.
0: Spirit, spirit plans.
1: Yeah. You know, and I just sort of give you a practical example of that. You know, here we're, we i don't know when you're listening to this or watching this um but for us it's it's you know the end of september 2020 and we're still in covid you, you know we're we've got you know we're we're meeting we've gathered we're right now we're meeting at a barn outside um for the next few weeks but um back in march um sermon series that i had scheduled over a year in advance when covid first hit um the sermon series that I had scheduled, it was a a Pentecost oriented series, right? Post-Easter basically was, was we are the church was the title of the series. And we were just walking through the book of Acts. And so, so, so there you go, you know, did not plan for COVID, had no idea that was going to happen, but, but planning a year out um, still had exactly what God was wanting to speak to us in that moment, in that season, talking about a scattered church, a church that was scattered by, in that case, persecution, right? And how the church developed in scattered environments and homes and extended families throughout the, you know, Roman empire.
0: An an excellent opportunity to explore um, what it means to be the church. Right. And you were like, we were
1: were just, we're sitting here, it's like, wow. I mean, if we could not have picked a better topic for this series for this time and season of our church. And then right after that, we started doing a series on the minor prophets and and the whole you know black lives matter and social unrest and and all of that was going on at that same time and here we are sort of like you know who who knew you know who knew uh that that it was going to time out so well so so the lord plans and and sometimes he plans in advance and he knows what we need
0: prior proper planning prevents poor
1: performance Ooh, that's i'm not gonna uh,
0: that's actually that's that's become somewhat of a household motto Uh, my wife is like type triple a and so some of that has rubbed off on me she's not just type a but but triple, triple. yeah triple a. um so I, I don't know how much time we've got left but but how long are your series what
1: do i used to do anywhere from six to 12 i'd do a couple 12 week series i've just decided that's way too long so, yeah, so now i try to stick with like four to eight you know if it's really complicated i might do eight um but yeah a uh, six probably six weeks is about as far as we go and then we'll come back to it like like we're doing genesis now and that's a repeat of something we did a long time ago but but before this one we did the book of romans and you know I, over a three-year span we divided romans up into two parts so i did a you know i did all 16 chapters i think there's 16 chapters from romans I, and i probably did um probably did uh 14 sermons spread over two series no more than six to seven per series it was a little awkward because it was two or three years between series, and we had to come back and sort of explain what he was talking about in the first <laughs> seven first eight chapters you know um but you know it 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 worked and so yeah, eight weeks is probably the most I'd do right now
0: um have you ever like gotten into a series and said like, <laughs> no, we're
1: every <laughs> one of them <laughs>
0: eject, eject yeah,
1: yeah. well and <laughs> um yeah i i I have um more often um i i extend series and i do a jack because um i find that um you know there's more there that i want to cover or something's important so i might add a week here and subtract a week from something there but the problem that i run into with this planning thing is that i'm always trying to look ahead and think ahead a little bit so when i was at the end of romans i was thinking about genesis mm-hmm. and kind of got excited about genesis and sort of got a little tired of romans because romans is hard it's hard to preach and um you know, so sometimes that happens, but, you know, I think in my case, having other people part of the process has helped me with that because our two associate pastors bring totally different perspectives to yeah. to what we do. And so I get to listen to them and they get to argue with me about what I should say a little bit and push back with, I mean, in a good way, you know, well, I see this, right. I see this, you know, when we develop um, kind of our concepts in a, in a, in a corporate way. But I realize that not everyone has that, that luxury. We just have, happen to have some people in our church who can, who have that call to preach. So.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's wonderful. And that's something that I, you know, I crave from time to time, like, okay, I, I need to work this out. I think um, that's one of the things that's great about the lectionary is that you're probably not the only church in your town that might be looking at that passage. Oh, no,
1: you're definitely not. And, yeah.
0: and so if you can, if you can develop relationships with other clergy in your, in your town, even your small town, um, like we got 12,000 people. And so uh, got four other pastors that um, you know I know real well and we work together and, on things like that and so um, and on lot, that,
1: lots of online stuff the communities yeah, yeah about too.
0: which actually probably um, probably share some resources there um, and I think we can we can put links to some of these down in uh, well, in the description
1: on the YouTube channel at least definitely yeah
0: yeah um, I think they show notes on on the uh, iTunes or whatever. So uh, the book of common prayer, which is more than just a lectionary, but has it included in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, there may be lectionaries that are specific to your denomination as well. Mm-hmm. I know the United Methodist has one that's specific. The uh, At least one branch of the Lutherans has one that's different usually than um, the Methodist or the revised common lectionary, mm-hmm. but you can find those texts too um, at Vanderbilt's library. And I, I'm not going to read out the, uh, the entire URL it, there, but it lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu. Uh, right.
1: But it's the first search in Revised Common Lectionary. I think it's the first search that comes up. Usually it's the Vanderbilt one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then uh, two of my favorite uh, websites are uh, textweek.com and workingpreacher.org. And Working Preacher will have um, commentaries. People have written on the upcoming lectionary passages and text groups, have just have a whole bunch of different um, artistic things, links to all other kind of things, um, pictures, songs, things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, My favorite resource is Jason because if I have a question about like Genesis, uh, I just text you. <laughs> but I was, yeah, you were I was texting. You, me, I was in the middle of classes. You, you, like, you missed a serious theological conversation that you would have enjoyed because you were in class. But that's your fault.
0: No. Yep. Uh, one more, we can, we can say a plain account. Yeah. Dot org. In our it's places. associated with our denomination. It's yeah. just kind of generically Wesleyan, but the people who run it are uh, largely Nazarene and they also do commentaries from a Wesleyan perspective on there. And I actually participate in that website a little bit. There are, um, there are like discipleship lessons that uh, are on there as well. Uh, by, you can look them by scripture or by, uh, place in the church year Um, that's that's not really self-promotion but it's just a good resource
1: it is it's a good resource yeah well that's it what to preach i I think we uh created a great deal of confusion and answered absolutely (laughs) no questions but we had a good conversation uh, yeah
0: and i think it's i think for me whenever i listen to things like this i always i always get guilty when i don't do it that way or and we didn't even talk about how to structure a sermon, like sermon forms. Oh, yeah. we, we should uh, think about that. And uh, going through seminary and, or listening to things like this, I'm like, uh, I have to do it that way.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, I just had to learn over the years to give myself permission to craft my own way of deciding what to preach, uh, deciding how that sermon looks, um, and all of those things. And I, I think probably we'd probably come back at another time and look at the actual preaching moment and yeah. – how we go about shaping those things, but that, that's later down the road probably. I think
1: it'll be a regular topic for us because it's so so vital to our traditions. And, and it our, is. And our liturgies and our mission for that matter too. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. And um, yeah, we'll be back here uh, soon talking again. I think this time about mission will be our next major topic we tackle and starting to get more practical, but also still dealing with a lot of these big, big overarching issues that guide the church. So,
0: yeah Uh, like and
1: subscribe no matter where you're watching this video slash podcast thing Uh, like and subscribe share it with your friends and uh, we certainly appreciate you being with us today We do yeah may the grace and peace of the lord be with you jason and also with you have a great day